So Luke chapter 2, verse 21 to 35. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then when it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child, so his parents took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to re reveal God to the nation, and he is glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Thank you, Dave, for reading scripture this morning. I, I've got a prayer, uh, a praise, praise to the Lord. I've been in Canada now for eight months. My family and I have been here, and we love it here. We, we thank God that he's called us to New Life Church. In, in, yeah, in Canada, New Life. Woo, Jesus. Uh, we, yeah, we love it. We love the island. We love the church. We love the, we, I find um, the, the love that is expressed in New Life Church is just authentic. We love everything about it here. Um, and Canadians, you guys are so friendly. You're so friendly and polite. Uh, you are a very polite group of people. And it reminds me, I think in England, we can be polite as well in, in the UK. Um, and we love, one of the things that we love doing in the UK, uh, and I'm sure it's the same here, is we love to wait in queues. Uh, we're very good at it. We'll just stand there very um, willingly, you know, obediently. We'll just stand in a queue and wait, and we never complain uh, because that's not, we, we don't complain about things, do you? You just accept them as they are. And I think Canadians are the same. You're very polite. In fact, I was waiting the other day in um, a, a long queue in the post office. And one of the members of New Life um, came along with his daughter and they stood in the queue with me. And we just stood there for 20 minutes, just talking. You know, we're just very polite people. We wait around a lot. And in the UK, we spend around... 37 billion hours each year waiting in a line somewhere. 
That's a lot of hours for one nation to be waiting. Human beings, here's some statistics. Human beings spend around six months of their lives waiting in line for something. That's a lot of our life just waiting in a queue. Could be, I guess it's more on the island. Maybe it's for ferries. You could maybe add that up a few more months, right? Them ferries, there's a lot of waiting, I've discovered. We wait in queues. The average person spends around 43 days of their life, 43 days of your life, on hold on the telephone to somebody. That's a lot of us, a lot of your days just wasted. Just don't bother, I think, is the answer. Um, for those of you who get a bus or a train, 27 days of our lives are waited on a platform or a bus stop. That's a lot of time waiting. Now you add other things like traffic jams or red lights. You, perhaps you're one of those folk who like to dodge the red light, you know? Do you, whoever, who pushes through the amber? Anyone, anyone here who does that? Amber light comes out and your foot hits the accelerator a little bit to try and get through? Yeah, I know there's a few. I know there's a few of you out here who do that. I've been in your car with you. We've got to wait in queues in the supermarket. Then you wait for your food to cook. And the list goes on. We wait and wait and wait. But waiting isn't always a bad thing. Actually, there's a case that waiting can make you happy if you're anticipating something. Like, I don't know, Christmas for a child, you know? They're waiting for Christmas Day to come. And they're, they're full of joy and, and excitement. And it's lovely to see them waiting for Christmas. And so sometimes waiting can be a good thing. That anticipation is a good thing. And this is what Advent is all about. We've just celebrated Advent this month. And Advent is about waiting for something pretty miraculous and spectacular. Advent is waiting in a good sense. Advent is a time where we remember the birth of Jesus, but it is also a lot more than that. Advent comes from the Latin word um, adventus, which means coming, arrival. And Advent is a time of waiting for the arrival of Jesus. And it comes from the word parousia in the Greek. And parousia is a word that is described in the New Testament of waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ in our lives and to come once again, the second coming of Christ. And so Advent is a time in the Christian calendar to celebrate. It is a good experience of waiting upon Jesus, not only the birth of Christ, we celebrate and remember that, but we wait for Christ to come into our lives when we're born again, but also we're waiting and expecting Christ to come back a second time. Here's my question this morning as we end the year. Are you waiting for Christ to return? If Jesus was to come back this afternoon, would you expect him to come back? Would you be ready? Would you be ready in your heart when Jesus Christ comes back? This, if he came this afternoon, would, he, would you be able to say, hey, good job, my good and faithful servant? Or would he be caught off God? 
Advent is a good time where we remember Christ in our lives and Christ coming once again. And Advent reminds us to wait, expecting and being prepared for Christ to return. Are you prepared for Jesus to return again? This morning, we're going to be finishing off our songs for Christmas. We've looked at Mary. We've looked at the angels. We've looked at Zechariah. And this morning, we're going to look at another man called Simeon. Simeon is a man how I respect and love in the Bible, but I feel is overlooked in the Bible narrative. So let's just dive in. If you've got your Bibles, Dave, very uh, kindly read. Yeah, thank you, Dave. I did see that. Uh, he did read the Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And it says verse, straight away, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. On the eighth day, Jesus is eight days old. He was circumcised and given the name Jesus. Naming um, somebody, naming someone Jesus would have been a strange thing to do in those days because children, as we learned with uh, John the Baptist, and naming a child, you would have named the child after your father. Uh, and yet, he's not given the name Joseph. He's given the name Jesus. And giving someone a name would have been very significant. Family lines, family, family lines and names were important to the Jewish people. Uh, and yet, the angel told Mary that you are, are to name him Jesus. Although it's not an uncommon name, the significance would not have been lost on the original listeners. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew, Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So just as Joshua saved the people by helping them enter into the promised land, Jesus would save the people by entering into a relationship with God the Father. Significant. On eight, when he was eight years old, he circumcised and given the name Jesus. Luke is reminding these early listeners of the word of God that Jesus came to lead his people into eternal life. Jesus is coming to save the people from a lost eternity. In Jesus' name, people will be healed. In Jesus' name, the blind would see once again. In Jesus' name, demons would be banished. In Jesus' name, sins were forgiven. And Luke is reminding the Greek audience here. Remember, the book is written, the book of Luke is written to who? Who's Luke writing to? Theophilus. Good job. That's why we're doing the Bible in the air. Okay. So the book is being read to philosophers, Theophilus, and a Greek audience. And he's reminding this audience that this baby is special. Verse 22, when the time of the purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so between verses 21 and 22, what we see is 32 days have passed. 
And so on the eighth day, he's circumcised, but then the purification process happens 32 days after that. You see, back then, ceremonies were very important. And we have three ceremonies that happen during when, when a baby is born. The first one is the circumcision, which we see in verse 21. And the circumcision, uh, every boy, um, there we go, thank you, Anna. Circumcision, we see every boy was circumcised uh, and named on the eighth day following Leviticus 12, verse 3. And circumcision symbolized how the Jews were called to be set apart from the rest of the world and unique in their relationship with God. That's the first ceremony. And we see that in verse 21. The second ceremony we see in verse 22 is the purification of the mother. And when a mom gives birth to a son, they have to um, go through 40 days of purification. Um, and if you give birth to a daughter, it is 80 days, 80 days of purification. That's a lot. That's a lot of waiting, right? I'm glad we live in New Testament times. But the mother would have had to separate for 40 days. And so that's what we're seeing here. 32 days on from verse 21, Mary and Joseph go to the temple to present Jesus. And so that's what happens. And then there's a third ceremony that the Jewish people would have completed, and it was the redemption of the firstborn, which we see in verse 23 to 24. And it says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every first male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Every firstborn male belonged to God as in Exodus 13 verse 2. So one month after the birth of the firstborn son, the firstborn son is presented to God. And the ceremony involved buying back or setting free or redeeming, that's what it would have been called, the redemption of the child from God through an offering. Therefore, the parents acknowledged that the child belonged to God. So Luke here is telling Theophilus, this Greek general and his Greek audience, um, there would have been you know, Gentile listeners, non-Jewish listeners. He was telling them the importance of these strange laws that probably they never understood or they didn't make sense to them. And he's saying that even Jesus, the Son of God, had to go through these ceremonies. Even Christ and his parents followed and obeyed the law of Moses. It amazes me that even though Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus who would save the people from their sins, who would change people's lives, who would break chains, who would set people free, even Jesus followed the law. Jesus wasn't above the law of Moses, of God. Jesus who continues to change people's lives. Jesus who's changed my life for the better. 
and who continues to change lives. I'm excited for next year. I love baptisms. I can't wait till baptism Sunday, the last Sunday in January. Jesus, 2,000 years on, still changes people's lives. Praise God, right? Yet still followed the law of the Lord. Jesus was not born above the law. Instead, he fulfilled it perfectly. And I want us to log that into our minds somewhere as we continue looking at this passage. So 40 days have passed since Jesus has been born here as Mary and Joseph present Jesus in the temple. And they go to the temple and, and they would have traveled long. They had to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem, which was around a 90-mile ordeal. 90 miles is... What's that in your language? 140 kilometers, something? Okay, and so that's like traveling to Parksville and back. Mary and Joseph have walked the temple to do this. It's a big deal for them. And I think this is important. They've got, they've traveled 90 miles to get to the temple to follow the Jewish laws and traditions. And then we are introduced to Simeon in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and he met and encountered Jesus Christ there. What we're seeing here is quite wonderful. This is before Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit is introduced to every believer. And what we see here, Luke is telling the audience the importance of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Luke mentions the Holy Spirit 10 times before this passage. The Holy Spirit is important to Luke and to the readers. Luke is saying to us here yeah, how important the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit has come upon Simeon. He was upon him. He revealed information to Simeon. And then the Spirit moves Simeon into action. If you would allow me some pre preacher's license, I believe Simeon has been waiting his whole life. He's been waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. He's been expecting Christ. He's been coming to the temple courts every day, just waiting for Jesus to come, listening, studying the law, reading the Bible, praying, meditating, having that time with the Lord, just being there in that intimacy with God. And because of that intimacy, because of that time waiting upon the Lord, seeking his presence, seeking his face, perhaps in worship, perhaps in prayer, following all of the ceremonies, following all the traditions, just waiting upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks into his life. And so what we find here is that Simeon is a man who's just full of the Spirit of God. And I wonder, as I read Simeon, I wonder how much of the Spirit of God have I got in my life? 
How much of the Spirit of God is in me? It says in Ephesians 5, continue to be full of the Spirit. Continue to be filled in the Spirit. In fact, it's an imperative. You must continue to be filled in the Spirit. Seek the Spirit of God every day. How do we grow in the Spirit? Well, just seek that intimacy with the Lord. That's why I think reading the Bible in the air is so important to me. Because it's that time in our day where we can take 15, 20, 25 minutes of our day just to be in the presence of God through his word, through prayer, through devotion. And as we do that, God, that small, quiet voice of the Lord leads and guides and changes and renews our minds. That's why I think it's so important to come to church every Sunday. My kids, you know, they know Sunday morning. It's a time for church. That's it. Because we can just be in the presence of God. I believe Simeon was that man, seeking the Lord in all things. But what interests me in these passages here, two things are happening. One, the law of the Lord is being put into practice and we see the Spirit of God. Now, I'm going to stereotype here, but you don't seem to get the law and the Spirit together in churches, right? When we think of people who follow the law, what do we think? We think of those, again, I'm stereotyping, you know, don't send me an email tomorrow morning, but, you know, when we think of people who follow the law, we think of those who wear a suit and a tie, and, you know, they go to church and it's a bit stuffy and everyone's like this, you know. You know what I mean? There's an organ playing somewhere and whatever. And then we get the Holy Spirit. Those churches who follow the Spirit, they're all a bit, woo, and they're a bit free, right? I'm stereotyping. Where those folk who follow the Spirit of God are those perhaps who are not bound by dogma or religious tradition. I'm giving examples, extreme examples. But they don't have to be exclusively, uh, mutually exclusive. Following the law of the Lord and, and, and walking and living in the Spirit of God come hand in hand. We should be following the law. We should be obedient to the law. And we should be living in the Spirit of God more every single day of our lives, being guided by the Holy Spirit. And I think we need that in the valley more than ever. I think we need that in our lives. I think the Cowichan Valley is a beautiful valley. But we have a fight on our hands with, you know, the spiritual forces out there. We need to be on our guard. We need to be prepared. We need to be grounded in the word and continue to be full of the spirit of God. And I hope that we can explore what that looks like this year. As we start 2024, Luke is telling the Greek audience the importance of following the law and living in the spirit of God. The convergence of word and spirit, I think, is important as we continue to seek the Lord. And as we continue to do that, I think we'll see great signs and wonders. We'll see people come to Christ. We'll see more people accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so that's what Luke is saying here. 
I think. Simeon is a man who followed the law and lived in the spirit of God. And when we meet face to face with the Lord and he asks us, when we, when we meet him face to face, what will the Lord say to us? Will he say, why weren't you closer with me as you lived your life? Why didn't you respond to the word? Or why didn't you respond when the spirit prompted you? Let me ask a question as we end our year in 2023. What do we have to do to lose our intimacy with God? Nothing. How do we lose our intimacy with God? Do nothing. But when we read the word and we meditate and we seek God in prayer, then we will grow in our intimacy with the Lord. And I believe Simeon was a man who continued to do that. You see, the truth is God is always at work around us. But only those who deepen their relationship with him through the Bible study, through devotion, through waiting, through prayer, through being guided by the Spirit, are able to see him more readily at work in their lives. And Simeon, although he only gets a handful of verses, I think was a man who did that. And so Simeon, when he meets Christ in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, and he sings his song, the Nunc Dimittis, which means the release. Now, some of you may have gone to churches in the past that you ended your service with the Nunc Dimittis, the release. And Simeon says to the Lord in song, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you now release, you now dismiss your servant in peace. He's been waiting his whole life for the coming Messiah. And now the Messiah is here. He's able to say, I'm able to die in peace. I'm able to go in glory to God because I've encountered the living Jesus Christ. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of the people of Israel. The angels sang glory to God in the highest and earth peace among men whom he is pleased. And now Simeon, a man of great faith in God, sees Jesus and is ready to go and die. His peace is the assurance that God keeps his word and the salvation will be made available to all the nations, not just God's chosen people, but to everybody. And that includes us as well. Verse 30 my eyes have seen your salvation comes from Isaiah 52 verse 10. Isaiah 52 verse 10 says this. The Lord, it says this on the screen. The Lord, oh no, it doesn't. It doesn't convert very well to PowerPoint. Okay, it says this. Isaiah 52 verse 10. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all of the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all your people. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah who comes to bring glory to Israel, 
But the mercy shown to Israel overflows its banks and brings revelation to all of the nations. The salvation of Jesus comes out for all people. And Isaiah is prophesying and singing and worshiping that Jesus Christ is for all people. He says two things to Simeon. He assigns this task of little baby Jesus two things. That as a light to the world, he brings revelation to all the nations. And the second thing is that he will bring glory to Israel. That means that this little baby Jesus, this little baby will one day reveal the true God and the true way of salvation. Jesus says, when he's an older man, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get to God is through Jesus. He will present the real truth and he will give us life. And I love that. Jesus gives us life. I love Isaiah 42 verse 6. God puts it like this, through Jesus Christ. He says, I the Lord have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. That's us. Jesus is a light to the world. To open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in darkness. In Christ, his birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection, well, it gives us a sure and certain hope that someday our time of waiting will end. And if we believe this, if we believe in Jesus, we have life. And there are three lives that we get in Jesus. We have new life. When we are born again, we get life. And this is a beautiful thing. And we get abundant life. In Christ Jesus, Jesus, we just have the wonderful life of Christ living in us. And now we have eternal life. Life for all eternity. And this is what Jesus brings. And this is what Simeon is rejoicing in when Jesus Christ comes. And so he holds this little baby in his hands. And he declares out loud, finally, God's salvation has come. As we remember the birth of Jesus Christ this time of year, let me remind us that Jesus is our only hope in a healing world. Jesus Christ breaks chains. He breaks chains of addiction. He breaks chains of, I don't know, of sin in our lives. Jesus Christ changes lives and renews lives. And he provides salvation that only he can provide. And so I want us to end this morning just celebrating him, like, like Simeon, rejoicing in what Christ has done for each of us in our lives. If you know Jesus, you know what life is. You, have li you are born again. You have new life. You have abundant life. You have eternal life. And this is what Simeon was praising God for. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we come before you, Lord, humbly. And like Simeon, Lord, I pray that we too can rejoice in our heart 
the good news, the good message of Jesus in our lives. And I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, that we don't keep it for ourselves, but that we are willingly and actively sharing this good news with all those that we encounter. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray as we enter into 2024, that this is a year where people commit their lives to Christ, that we are overwhelmed with those who want to know you as their Lord and Savior. As we as a church continue to reach out into the community with, with just kindness, I pray we can also do that, Lord, with the gospel. I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, for lives to be changed, changed for chains to be broken. And for those wanting to just be on fire for you, Lord, to commit their lives to you. I pray, Lord, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, this morning that, again, I pray this prayer, that if there's those here this morning who do not know you as their Lord or Savior, if there's anyone who's watching online who does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that this is a day that they commit their lives to you. I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, as well, that we continue to, to grow in what it means to follow your word, to live in the law of Moses, Lord, and how we apply that today in 2024, and also, Lord, how we continue to grow in the Spirit of God each and every day. I pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, for that wonderful convergence of word and spirit in our, each and every of our lives. And Lord, we pray these things in your glorious name. Amen.